We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. And welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This is episode 189 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I'm Joe Musso here for the finishing touches on the season that was. Bears football officially over, as my co-host so eloquently put it, freeing us from our shackles this past Sunday. Uh, playoff football short-lived. Uh, we shall see what happens w- with a number of different storylines here with the Bears, but we do uh, have to offer our thoughts on the final game of the season. We're also going to give you a little college football playoff reaction. Apologize if you do hear you know, a little frog in the voice, a little cloud in the brain. It was a late post-game show for the kid. We get uh, it. But with that, I think that, I, Matt, I actually Rooney? think that brings out the best Joe. I like yeah, the you Joe think that just like slow bit. me down, slow me down yeah, a little I, bit. I, I think I think it gets a little, it gets gets a new perspective on Joe. It gives us a little bit new look of Joe. Sometimes you're a little bit all over the place, a little bit more wild, say some more funny things. I like it. I like the cloudy Joe. Uh, oh, I thought you were saying sometimes I'm all over the place. So in oh, turn, no. I need to be tired. Oh no, I mean, to, like, you're, no, you're never going to be back. dialed back fully. I know you have known you for a while. Now that's never going to happen. But like this, yeah, you know, I, don't know, I don't know if you're going to get opens up a little bit. I don't I know like if you're it. gonna get the fastball today, but we're gonna paint the corners. We're gonna we're gonna mix in pitches. We're gonna go off speed. Mark Burley. We're gonna go late late career Greg Maddox. We're gonna locate seventy six game uh, seventy six pitch full uh, complete game. See there it is. There's a there the brain is. working right off the bat. You got it. Eventually. Um, you got I looked it. it I looked into that. We were we were just talking. You know that's one of the beauties of working in sports is that you sit and you bring up games and you know you look at old box scores uh, during commercials and stuff. And we were BSing about uh, the seventy six pitch complete game by Greg Maddox. He only had two innings that game that he threw double-digit pitches. He threw single-digit pitches in every inning, but I believe the third and the fifth in which he threw 11 pitches in those two innings. Unbelievable. It, it's, gave, it's, up, it's, gave up a run, too. Gave up a run. That's almost even more insane. It's, it's, we'll be, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a Sammy Sosa. No, no, no. Sammy Sosa ground ball to the right side that scored, I believe, was it? Not who was it? Couldn't I forget who you. scored, but I someone scored from third. Mark Grace. It was a stolen base. Mark Grace ground ball advanced into third, and then Sammy ground ball uh, scored the run. Impressive it was stuff. in nineteen ninety seven. You got to dial in a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, I was. I was a little bit young. I was five. Uh, was you five. said something about going off the rails, and here we are. Uh, I love it. We're talking, and a half Greg in, Ma- talking about We're talking Greg, Greg Maddox. Maddox complete games. Just breaking them down. Uh, we do have a full show for you here. Bears, college football reaction, little buy or sell, big news on the south side again. We're going to give you locks. I don't know if you want to call them that. Both of us came up empty this past weekend. Breaks my win streak. I was hot. I was hot I'm as struggling. Can be. I'm continuing uh, to struggle. Though I, I still think. That's like, backslide continues. I still think. I think I was on the right side of that bet. It just ended up not working out. If you I had said to make that, the bet again, said I'd that make it. Every single week. Yeah, because I'm just. I'm, I'm falling victim to a lot of bad circumstance. I'm going to. Like, I was two for two last night. I had. Bama first half, Bama game. So there you go. Should have taken that uh, one, people. Taking God. a look here at the standings, you are officially – it's officially check. It's yeah, not checkmate no. just yet, but it's okay. check. I'm bad at math. I, so need to, I need to lose out. You need to win out in order to uh, win the season series here. I sit at 9, 8, and 1. You sit at 7 and 11. Uh, that all-valuable half game hanging in the balance. If, but Matt, if you really cared about this podcast, you'd start making bad picks on purpose. So this was even headed into the Super Bowl. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I, I'm just gunning for uh, above 500. Like This is this is me versus me right okay, now. Okay, fine. You know? That's, uh, yeah, it's great content for the podcast. Joe competing against himself. Just That's saying. It. 
set a standard and then exceed it. I'm just uh, delaying talking about the Bears because the yeah, Matt. Sad. Only one place to start here. That's with the conclusion of the Chicago Bears season as they come up empty against the New Orleans Saints. Playoff football, kind of a result that. You know, it didn't feel like a foregone conclusion, but in some ways, in, a part of me wanted them to come out and play better than they did. And another part of me knew that that was the Chicago Bears football team that was going to show up uh, in New Orleans. I, I know we've seen some offense over the last month or so, but in, in a way that felt like a ruse because it was coming against lesser defenses, lesser teams, 21-9 uh, to 9, and realistically 21-3 to 3, the final here with the Saints. I mean, you come away feeling how about this disappointed not so in like we both expected them kind of lose i'm more disappointed in it seemed the game plan just kind of went back to the same old bears and not that you know they were going to be able to run for 150 yards against new orleans saints because they're so great up front but it just kind of seemed like Early on, Matt Nagy started being Matt Nagy. When David Montgomery couldn't run, he kind of went into panic mode. And it, it just it just seemed all progress that they kind of made during those weeks, albeit against bad teams, seemed mm-hmm. to be lost kind of in the snap of a finger. In a game that, like it or not, was winnable up until the third quarter. I mean, midway through the third quarter, it was still a 7-3 to three ball game. They're still in it. And it just seemed like with the way the game was being called, they never really had a chance. And that's by by, yeah. the, by Nagy. Not, the referees were terrible in themselves, but that's not why the Bears lost. Yeah, for the better part of two quarters, at least three quarters, maybe the defense keeps you in the game. I'm not saying it was a monster of the midway effort, but um, you take the ball away, you set up some field position. You obviously have to talk about the drop pass mm-hmm. uh, by Wims. I just think, Matt, that um, not to be morose or irreverent, but the way I come away feeling big picture about this Bears team is the way you feel about a loved one who's sick. And it's dark, but we've all had to go through loss in our lives of a loved one that fought it all the way to the end. And the Bears are a family member to a lot of us. We, we treat this team... Um, with that sort of love, with that sort of gravity in our lives. And I was at the point where it's just better that they rest. You know, I I can't do it anymore is what I tweeted at at the end of the season. I'm glad. I'm genuinely glad the season is over because I'm so sick and tired for 17 weeks, 18 weeks this season, having to go into Sundays, knowing that it wasn't going to be a great looking effort and that you might pull out a win. And in the end, it's eight and eight with a playoff berth, whatever that's worth, but it's time to rest. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, I, I'm I'm glad that I don't have to, because we were both at the point, too, where like, yeah, I knew they weren't going to win, but I was still going to get my hopes up and then get my you heart your, I mean, I'm glad of, that I don't have to go through that anymore. I'm glad that just when Sunday rolls around for the next, what's it, three Sundays, four Sundays, I yeah. can just kind of plop in front of the cou- plop on the couch in front of the team and be like, all right, a let's good watch plop. good football. A good plop, a, not a bad plop. A good plop. Not no. a Bears plop, a good plop. Not and a concern plop. Watch yeah. some football in front of the TV and not have to get you know my blood pressure boiling, not having to be a guy that's questioning an NFL head coach somehow still all the time. Like It's just I've never rooted for a more exhausting football team, and I think this year yeah. even more so than last year. 
think of how we felt about this team throughout the year. Uh, you come into the season with some hopes, maybe some optimism. Let's see what Mitch and Nagy can do and what hopefully uh, would be their last season with the team. God only knows. Uh, we are recording this on it hasn't happened it, yet. Tuesday the 12th around uh, 9.30 Central time, time 10.30 Eastern time. Um, it has not happened yet. So if that does happen, we'll – We'll likely uh, jump on here at some point this week, throw you a little emergency half pod, but uh, that's that's there's going to be streamers. That's optimistic the thing. thinking. Yeah, um, but I just think of what happened from where we started expectation with this team. Um, I believe I called for eight and eight, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think um, I was like nine and seven, ten and six. We open like up, that. but we open up five and one. How could you not be excited about a Bears team that opens up the season five and one? Could have been undefeated. Um, you go from there into six straight losses and writing the team off. Like I completely writing this team off. Um, I, I was done. I was done. And then they win some football games, get back in the hunt and mathematically find their, way into, find their way into the playoffs with a backslide. Like it's just, it's exactly the range of emotions you've come to expect as a bears fan with zero gratification. I just, and I, and not to switch it to who's getting let go and who's not, I, I know technically it's it's two playoff bids in three years, but I, you close out a season three and seven, I believe it is, to finish it out after a five and one start. You go one and seven against playoff teams. I don't know how, like, I don't understand how the powers that be can sit up in Hallis Hall and look at the product on the field the last two years, but this year especially, and be like, yeah. That's the guy. Those yeah. are the guys. That's what's going to get us over them. I, I don't. I, I. I. Honestly, want to be in that meeting, be a fly on the wall, and hear what they like. What their rationale is, how they are defending it. What uh, worries me is the current coaching market too. Um, with the number of openings, I believe it's at seven after mm-hmm. Doug's, Doug Peterson's firing on Monday. Uh, Matt Nagy would make eight, and that's not to say that things are done here. Um, so yeah, the grass is greener conversation can be had on another day. You got to start by firing the guy, Mm -hmm. Matt, if you had to power rank, um, your list of people you need gone, uh, in the bears organization, let's include Matt Nagy, Mitch Trubisky, uh, Ryan Pace and Ted Phillips power rank that in order that you need uh gone. Uh, I think first is Ted Phillips because I think it's, really? I, I th- well, I think just I don't think anything really changes for the long term until someone until the highest power that be is making yeah. new decisions. So not that I, I obviously everyone like likes Ted Phillips. He is by all accounts a very good guy. He's just not the guy that should be running football. So he should not he should be gone from the football department, not the organization. Um, number two for me is Matt Nagy. I just I, I don't think you're winning anything with him. I don't think he's a very good football coach. I don't like his game plans. I don't like his mindset going into games. I, I don't. There's not many redeeming qualities about him other than sometimes the guys in the locker room seem to like him, and that's not enough to keep a guy around. Um, yeah. I think number three, I would want Ryan Pace gone. Uh, and this one was a tough one. This is kind of a coin flip for me. Uh, just because the quarterback position is over the next few years, you're going to have to find a new one. And Ryan Pace clearly isn't that guy. He's had three cracks at it and got all three of them pretty wrong. And four for me is Mitch simply just because I don't know if the quarterback, if it's, if it's not the Sean Watson, which it probably won't be. Let's be real. Um, is the quarterback market's not that 
great this summer and I, I, I whatever this off season. Um, and I think you're looking at the point where we've talked, you can kind of get Mitch as a, on a cheap kind of backup ish type deal. And yeah. I, I, I I think the consensus with Mitch around the league is get him somewhere else, get him with a good coach, and you can maximize his capabilities of kind of being like the fringe starter slash top backup in the NFL. And if you know that's what he is, like I'm okay, I think that's okay to bring him back for one more year, and then after that you can get out of Foles and kind of use him as your transition guy to whoever the new guy wants to bring in as their quarterback. So I don't think you're getting yeah. anybody at 20 that's going to be ready to jump in right now. So it's not that uh, I, I believe in Mitch. It's more I believe in Mitch as a transitional slash backup yeah, quarterback. I, 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 I totally see where I think that is from valid. there. For me, it goes um, for me it goes Nagy, Mitch, Pace, Phillips. Um, that's not I guess that's not want. That's expectation yeah. for me. Um, it's got to start with Nagy because I, I I know there's foundations of a franchise that need to change right now, but your liaison from that foundation to the players as your head coach, you're only going to be as good as the team that your general manager puts together and the coach that can wrangle that team and say what you want about Ryan Pace and his lack of depth that he built on this 53 man Um, on the surface uh, 22, 30 deep. It's a very talented roster. Mm -hmm. There's no denying it. That talent has not been maximized and that falls at the feet of Matt Nagy. Um, I, I'm just done with it. I'm done with the uh, answering questions with questions in post game conferences. I'm done with uh, let me answer that question, JJ. I'm done. Like I'm done with all of it. I'm done with every idiosyncrasy. I'm done with him thinking he's smarter than everybody. I'm completely finished with it. Um, the mid situation is very interesting. I think that again, like you said, the market's not great. And other things need to be addressed at, what are we picking, 20th? Other yeah. things need to be addressed right there. Um, and I'm not sure that quarterback is the way to go at 20. I think there's going to be a run, as I said, early uh, in this draft. And you're, you're not going to have a top-tier guy there. So uh, can you pry Matt Stafford from the Lions? They probably don't want to move him in, inside the division, even if they're rebuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, he's likely on his last contract year. He's under contract in 2023. But are they going to rebuild? Is it going to be a new, completely new regime there? It looks like it. Um, Matt Ryan, is he the answer um, as the post-Dan Quinn era begins? I don't mm-hmm. know. Is he a little bit statuesque like uh, Nick Foles was this year in the pocket behind a uh, offensive line that we can't trust? Maybe. Um, I, there's not a good answer. There's not a good answer. And sometimes when you don't have a good answer, like you said, the default is uh, move a couple chips to the guy who's going to be the transitional quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. And you move on because I don't know how viable Nick Foles is as a starter next season. Him being under contract, uh, I believe, for one more year. So he's under, he's under for two, but this like but the, the pretty money much is dead. Keep the money's done this year. Dead money yeah. uh, in 2022 is much more. So are we gonna have to watch Nick Foles? Are we gonna watch the Bears? Um, are we going to watch this Bears team inadvertently tank next year and tear down the defense? Um, there's there's a lot there's a lot that could happen right now in Chicago, but I think um, it all starts with getting a new head coach in the room, getting some new air in the building, and getting a guy that this this team can believe in. Because I think at this point, um, you have a lot of guys in that locker room can't speak for them, but I'm about to that have lost belief in their head coach and in the game plan. And why wouldn't they? Let's talk about that game plan a little bit, Matt. Um, Let's talk about this game specifically. Um, And let's talk about the 
you know, play that very well could have, I don't want to say change the outcome of the game, but butterfly effect, you're in a completely different ball game mm-hmm. if Javon uh, Wims catches that, that pass. I called for his job after the chain snatching in the last Saints game. And here it is, comes back to bite us, him still being on the roster. To be fair, that's likely a play that's drawn up for Darnell Mooney. Uh, mm-hmm. On any other week, he's downfield making that catch. But you're a professional. I don't care if you're in the Superdome looking up at the light. I don't care if it's zero degrees in Lambeau Field. I don't care if you're, you're getting pulled down to the ground. You catch that football wide open in the end zone. How much of a difference do you think that made in the game? Or do you think this outcome is 21 to 10 otherwise? Yeah, I, I think the Saints still win the game. But I do think it's a different feel to it because I think if if Mitch does complete that pass if Javon Wims does catch that ball like there's a whole new confidence in that team if that play gets made whereas if that play is not made and I I can get to this later with the head coach but like there becomes kind of a cloud over he's like oh well you know we had that and now it's gone and well that was our one chance and now it's over and like I, I kind of think it again, they're not they're probably not still winning that game, but that does so much more for you than just the scoreboard. That gives everyone on the offense a little bit more confidence. That lets the defense go out and play with a lead for the first time against a good team and however long. Like that I I, I I still think they lose the game, but I think they're in the game with two minutes and a chance to win the ball game instead of trying to go down and you know put one touchdown on the board in garbage time. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And I think that the Bears are a team that I don't think mentally fragile is the way to put it, but I think that they are they are swayed largely uh, by the momentum shifts in the game, and that's a huge momentum like shift. Coach, well, both positively and negatively, and that's a huge positive momentum shift. And you know, out of one side of my mouth, I'm calling for Matt Nagy's job. Out of the other side of my mouth, I'm going to compliment him on that play call, which I haven't done a lot this season. He gets into the wildcat in which they've ran the ball. I think. I mean, look at their wildcat snap. Everyone's have, ran the ball they, out of that every time. Have they time. thrown it out of a wildcat? That's a perfect setup. Yeah. It's a great look. The defense feels like they can load the box. They're coming downhill. You know you're going to get a one-on-one look downfield. Fantastic play design. Might I say offensive guru-type stuff. Uh, just for it. a moment there, out of Matt Nagy, uh, I say that in jest. But fantastic play call. And you, it's it, it feels simple to say, but it's one you got to have. It's one you absolutely have to have or you cannot be on my football team. Yeah, I mean, and it's it goes back to kind of we've talked about on this podcast about how the Bears as an organization, sometimes Matt Nagy take half measures. And I, I think when you saw that Javon Wims fight with, Gar, uh, what's his name, Gardner Johnson in the, in mm-hmm. the game Quincy Gardner weeks Johnson. ago, just about everybody was like, yeah, you know, he's just, it, it wasn't Allen Robinson throwing punches and yanking chains. It was – your fifth receiver on the depth chart doing it. We all were just kind of like, yeah, that's there's no place for that guy on my team. He's costing us ball games. Get him out of here. And it came back to bite you. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that play wasn't originally designed up for it. If Darnell Mooney is healthy, that probably is a touchdown, whatever. But it, it just comes back to this organization as a whole taking half measures. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of little things in this game that – uh, that show an undisciplined team. Again, put it at Matt Nagy's feet. These are these players making the mistakes. But, uh, you know, Eddie Jackson goes off sides on a fourth and three uh, at the Bears 13, 15, whatever it was. Uh, mm-hmm. That could have changed the game. Um, Anthony Miller getting thrown out of the game. Uh, now, uh, was that did that penalty warrant an ejection? No. Was it a penalty? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, let's say Cole Komet. I mean, he did zero wrong. 
in that scenario, I put I put zero blame on Cole Komet. That's that's a ref getting his feelings hurt because he couldn't catch a football. There was a clear uh, did New you hear Orleans his explanation too? Here. He said he violently threw it at Jenkins. Um, he flipped it over a guy while he was jawing yeah. with Jenkins. Like it was like there was a there was, was a the definite, wildest explanation I've heard. It was a flip. There was a definite slant in this game and a real, real, I think, uh, veiled effort to make sure that we got the Breeze Brady matchup. I think you tweeted 100%. something along the lines, and the NFL yeah, is going to no, do what the NFL is going to do. But this yeah. this crew did a terrible job. Um, so you, you compound mental mistakes, physical mistakes, with the fact that a crew maybe has a little bit of a lean the other way, and you're not going to win a football game. No, it's just well, the mental mistakes, too, or what this – that's been my biggest kind of issue under Matt Nagy's tenure, especially, you know, the last – it seems like it's been on a steady decline. Like, they just seem to not pay attention to detail. They're so undisciplined with all these with all these stupid penalties. It's it, – they say teams kind of take on the mentality of their minds and their mindset of their head coach, and the mentality their, their team has kind of taken on is an undisciplined, confused – like no consequences type mentality. Like that's just, mm-hmm. I, I know that doesn't make all that much. Maybe that doesn't make much sense, but that's just kind of, it, it seems to me that team is becoming more and more of like the Matt, Na- like a Matt Nagy football team. Yeah. There's, they're not really, there's a, there's a, it's, a, it's an utter lack of discipline. It, it yeah. boils I mean, down to it. Even, it. even in plays that weren't penalized, they're jawing after the play. They're that's getting it. Like, in guys' faces. They're they're not I think focused it was on the Miller, task at hand. Like, you're down a touchdown. You're down ten points. You're down two touchdowns. What are you doing? Wasting time. There's you know there's a play clock at the end of the field, and every time the play resets, it goes to forty. We have forty seconds to get in the huddle, call the play, get our minds where they need to be. You're spending the first four or five of that in the grill of another player. Get back to the huddle, or again, get off my team. And it, again, I think it goes to both sides of the ball. And I've we've praised Akeem Hicks on this podcast a ton. And I know he's a very emotional player, and he can play on my team any day. But the amount of times I've seen him, you know, make a stop for two yards, or somebody else make a stop for two yards, and he's looking for the camera and flexing while they're down fourteen to three, like just it's one thing if you make a stop on third and short and force fourth down, whatever you're getting game. off the field, you yeah. make a big play in a tight football game, dude. Like you're flexing. After a seven-yard catch down 14 to six or whatever, like just go back to the huddle. Maybe yeah. when you tie the ball game, you can do that. Maybe when you tie the ball game, you can flip the ball. Whatever. I've never seen a, like a team celebrate more for doing so little. Just play the game. Uh, Matt, I'm I'm done with the Bears for this season, for this conversation, for all things uh, necessary here with this eight and eight Matt Nagy menagerie that we watched all season. I do want to go who out. Your, who your wish list would be? Okay, go. You wanted to? No, no, no. Go ahead. Go finish. I was gonna say who's your no, wish list. No, because I'm, I'm putting a stamp on it, and I'm done here. after that. Uh, wish okay. list in in terms of future say, staff. If you if you had to pick a, if you had to handpick a head coach, I, GM is a little bit harder to handpick because yeah. you don't really know that the candidates out there. But uh, GM, I'd say Scott Pioli because I work with him and yeah. I know the mind that he is. I know that he's five time executive of the year with three Super Bowls, should have been four in a perfect season uh, with the New England Patriots. So uh, just having that. Uh, that direct line to him lets me know how his brain works in the game mm-hmm. of football. Uh, so I'd say Scott Peely there. It does look like um, 
he didn't say anything definitively, but he's been connected to the Detroit job pretty directly. Uh, Good for uh, him. Um, yeah, um, but uh, going to be a shame to lose him on CBS Sports, CBS Sports HQ. But um, he's one of the best in the business, so I like him. Head coaching wise, um, I think it's even harder there because I don't have a through line to any of these guys. And yeah. I did tweet out uh, "Good morning, uh, Eric Bearetemy." Because Eric, you didn't respond to my DeBear Watson. That was because uh, it wasn't that clever. Um, but I did. Res- I did respond uh, to TJR, who came back with a with a valid point, a sentient point about you know what happened the last time that we uh, picked from the Andy Reid coaching tree and thought that one of these offensive gurus was going to be the answer. Because in the end, Andy Reid calls the plays. Like how valuable yeah. is Eric Bieniemy to the Chiefs' offense? Is he that great of an offensive mind? Those are things that are going to be found out because he's going to get a job somewhere. But do we want to go yeah. back to the KC well? Uh, that would give me pause, but I think that he is one of the top candidates possible. Um, I am starting to lean towards the idea of you got to have a head coach who's a defensive mind and then bring in an offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I think that especially in Chicago, um, you need to have the foundation of defense because that's going to be the constant. That has to be the constant because offensively, um, with where the quarterback situation is at right now, you don't know how many points you can count on week in, week out. And I think maybe the discipline and thought process that we that we quite um, readily attribute to defensive-minded coaches is what this Bears team needs right now. Uh, so again, maybe uh, the guy who's going to end up going to Detroit in Robert Sala. Um, that's that's my guy. Just that's the one I want. Just don't bring me Jason Garrett. Don't bring me Doug Peterson. Don't bring me one of these failed coaches uh, somewhere else. Um, j- just don't do that to me. Um, I, I, I just can't, I, I can't do that. I want a guy. Uh, the Eric Eric Bieniemy is going to get a job at some point here, but I, I do think there's pause. The it gives me pause thinking of the like we've talked about even out here before. I want a guy that's not only been a coordinator, but been in charge of his own unit, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. I, Eric Bannemi does a great job with that offense, but at the same time, like... Who's had to make just, decisions that, in the flow of a game. Yeah, like, that's going and getting the guy who is on the staff. Uh, it, it, I want to give more credit than on the staff, but at the end of the day, Andy Reid's the one calling the shots for the mm-hmm. offense. Even if Bannemi's calling the plays, Andy Reid is the one that can step in, and he's designing a lot of this. And, like, he's the he's the head of the table. I want a guy who has been, whether or not that's been a head coach or not, I don't really care, but I want a guy who's been you know, the defensive coordinator for an offensive-minded head coach or the offensive coordinator for a defense, a guy who's essentially been a head coach of their own unit. I don't want the guy who's had the safety net. I don't care if that, who, which coaching three that's coming from, if, if it's from a Reed, Belichick, whatever, but I just want a guy who's been – in charge of his own unit. And I think that's I think that's hugely important. Someone that's made decisions in the flow of the game because if you look at some of the decisions made by coaches in the flow of the game this past week, great coaches, Hall of Fame coaches, busts in Canton coaches. I'm talking about mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin. I'm talking about um, I don't know if Rabel goes in as a coach as a player. I don't know if he ends up making it in. We'll see what, yeah. what the rest of his coaching career looks like. Still very young in that process, but just atrocious decisions made in the flow of the game, costing your team possibility of moving on in the playoffs. You have to have a coach who's, who's been in those situations because even coaches that have been in those situations can bungle a decision in, in the flow of a game. I think that's, that's a huge point to make there, Matt. 
Um, but like I said, I do want to go out here on a positive note. I want to send two thank you notes uh, to the Chicago Bears, two people and individuals, or two individuals in particular, uh, that being Allen Robinson. If this is the last we've seen him play Bears football, uh, he was one of the constants uh, throughout this all. His effort, his ability, uh, his playmaking, his... I mean, there weren't too many times where Allen Robinson was getting the perfect ball, and Allen Robinson made a ton of plays. So I want to send a thank mm-hmm. you to Allen Robinson, and I want to send the biggest thank you to the one bright spot, the one constant, the one through line, the one silver lining to this season, and his name is Cairo Santos. Uh, we sat here as, we, we sat here for as Bears fans for the better part of the last three seasons, the butt of the joke because of kicking. Now, we were still the butt of the joke this season, but it was not because of kicking. Cairo Santos coming in. He finished with 22 in a row. In a I row. Think it was. Broke Robbie's record for consecutives. Um, I think that this is um, something that everybody takes for granted. And having a kicker that can go out there and be automatic, that's what Cairo Santos was for the Bears this season. My biggest thank you note goes to him. And how sad is that? That as a Bears fan, I got to sit here and talk about how great our kicker was. And thank the kicker. Well, he was good. You know, you can't you can't fault you can't fault yourself no, for that. No, uh, no, those are two good thank you notes. I hope Allen Robinson's back. I highly doubt he is, especially that comment about you know. I think he said something. I got something lines, done. Like, yeah. We had 365 days to get something done. We could have and didn't. Uh, my wish for him is that when he signs his next free agent deal. Wherever that may be, that he My chooses a team that has a quarterback. For you, don't go that somewhere that's like, there's a lot of money. This team's that you wanted to go to like, go, to, uh, go, go somewhere with a quarterback, Rob uh, Allen. You deserve it. You deserve a good quarterback. I just, he's just, I just picture him driving away from Hallis Hall with uh, Rascal Flats playing in the background. What was the song? Didn't Phil Emery do that to some weird song when he got fired? That was hilarious. Oh, Daddy, I have no idea. Yeah, There's I spent too many firings to keep too. track of. Uh, Matt, that was like those two firings ago. That's how we close the book on the Bears season. Uh, appreciate you riding that roller coaster with me here this season. We appreciate you Bears fans for uh, wearing your hearts on your sleeves because I said it on air and I'll say it again right here. Uh, as a Chicago Bears fan, quarterbacks come and go, but my fandom lies forever. Uh, your fandom, your fandom to, lasts forever. So Can't wait to get my hopes up about – 200 days from now and have my heart ripped out about 214 days from now. That's it. Uh, Matt, we got to talk a little college football here. The Alabama Crimson Tide for the sixth time in the last 12 years are at the forefront of college football. You think about that 12 seasons, six national titles, six for the rest of the country, Uh, six in Alabama, six elsewhere. It is absolute dominance. Nick Saban uh, passes the great bear Bryant with his seventh uh, national championship win, both uh, BCS, CFP, doesn't matter. Nick Saban's going to go get himself a championship. Uh, that offense was simply unstoppable. They it was unbelievable. They averaged just shy of 50 points per game this season, which is head spinning. Uh, and I think outside of Alabama, the happiest people in the world right now are those sitting in Austin, Texas, because that was a absolute masterpiece by Steve Sarkeesian uh, last night. Some of the plays that he dialed up, some of the like wham motion he was running, some of that, that little uh, uh, zip motion uh Fake handoff, play action. Najee Harris floated out to the middle of nowhere. Touchdown in the first half was like, it gave me the chills. It was, oh, was it? pretty much the same thing they did with Devontae Smith, either on his first or second, where they brought him into the backfield, like they motioned him in the backfield and then just 
took the snap and yeah, but, it back out to him and he walked in. But that was like just a little flip to the flat where this was like plant. This oh yeah, no, little, I know that, that, Najee, that Najee Harris took, took, took a little longer to develop. Yeah. Um, that was, it was just amazing stuff. It, absolute domination uh, by Alabama. But I do want to ask you this question, Matt, because um, we, we made a huge stink, not us, not you and I, obviously, but the pundits in the nation made a huge stink about Notre Dame losing by 17 points in the semifinal to Alabama. Well, Ohio State just lost by 28 points to Alabama in the final, and you're not hearing that same blowback of Ohio State never belongs in the playoff again. I say this to ask you the question, uh, with that in mind, that Alabama wins by 17 and then by 28, and that 28 came over a team that blew out Clemson. Mm -hmm. Is there a competition problem right now in college football? Um, I I think there is, yes. I don't really know exactly how – it gets addressed. I think we talked about it on the, the lost episode where we had about 25 extra minutes and it got, uh, got lost somewhere in recording, but I, I lost I think episode part two. That's not the lost episode. Oh, no, the episode. Yeah. So that, that, that'll remain lost forever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think watching last night, especially, I mean, Clemson is obviously close. So they might not quite be Alabama, but they're quite new. If they're not, they're in the same tier as Alabama. Yeah. Like you're watching Alabama play offense last night. They were playing just a different football game than mm-hmm. Ohio State. Like it wasn't the same sport. The amount of talent they're able to bring in, I, I don't I don't know how you even it out because it is recruiting. I do think it starts with playoff expansion because I, I think right now you're at a point where the five star recruits are not obviously looking for whoever can cut them the most money under the table but they're also looking for the chance like the place that's going to get them the most exposure the chance the chance to win a national championship and right now when you're looking at that you have two and a half schools i think right now i think alabama and clemson are the two schools for sure if you you probably through i mean ohio state is one one but that was now what five years ago and their last few times in the playoffs they've they've granted they won one this year but they've kind of been eliminated in not all that impressive of fashion mm-hmm. um, Georgia Notre Dame go in there and kind of uh, Georgia had the one year where they went and but they haven't done really anything since that title bid game Notre Dame is getting blown out all the time. so yeah I, I think recruits kind of see two options to go in a national championship yeah and uh, the fact that everybody's got the same number of uh, everybody's got the same number of scholarships to give out uh, those first however many it is a season now 22 or so whatever it is yeah those first 22 are gonna go to the best 22 players in the country and those kids are going to Alabama uh, I, yeah. I don't see it as a problem I see it more as uh, the current state of college football I mean think about all of these games that we watch dynasties are dynasties are a real thing we're, we're in the midst of a long-standing dynasty in Alabama uh, the Patriots had their dynasty the Warriors had a, a short dynasty there the Bulls had their dynasty for a moment like we have to sit back and we have to applaud this sort of dominance this sort of dynastic approach um, and we have to applaud the coach uh, first and foremost because uh, so much has changed look at the first national title from when Nick Saban was there and look at it now the staff's completely different the players are obviously all different he is the constant he sets the standard and he continues 100%. to develop to recruit develop and execute with these players it's absolutely breathtaking and i'm not going to sit here and say that it's a problem but uh, it's definitely uh, the reality of the game for me the problem i shouldn't say is you know the the team that has the dynasty i i, I do think having that goliath in sports is probably a good thing mm-hmm. for me it's not like when you when you name all of those teams that we've seen have dynasties in the past, 
they've had like legitimate challengers and they've had they've been different challengers they've had different teams kind of rotating in and out in college football it's gotten to the point where next year if the playoff doesn't include three of alabama clemson ohio state oklahoma notre dame georgia i'll be shocked like yeah. there are pretty much three spots for six teams and then a at-large bid which sometimes will go to one of those it's those six teams so like that for me it's it's the the way – maybe it might not even be the sport, but it's just the way those teams are viewed compared to – I don't like that those teams get the benefit of the doubt in these ranking systems because I just think it makes for unfair competition for the rest. And I'm not saying Cincinnati deserved yeah. to be in the playoff because they didn't, but did Cincinnati deserve to be ranked higher than you know some two-loss, three-loss teams? Sure, probably. Um, so that for me I think is I, – I think that changes with playoff expansion because it, I just want to see more teams get yeah. opportunities. And until that no, happens, I, like don't I do 100%. I'm, I'm, but I'm I don't think the Alabama, result Clemson, changes. Clemson, Alabama, I don't either. But I would like to see it. Yeah. I would like to see someone get the chance. Because – When it comes down to it, I'm going to watch Alabama, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State, whatever. I'm going to watch those two teams play every year and I'm going to love it. But at some point, like – the casual fans are going to get like, oh, whatever. Like you're, you're going to start losing some casual fans because of the fatigue of all the, – just not there, the dynasty, but the same challengers as well. There was no drama this year. The drama no. this year in college football existed in the Clemson-Notre Dame game halfway through the season. That was, that was the drama. That was the game of the year. Not as Notre Dame fans, as someone who likes Team X versus TY in a dramatic situation. That was the game. Um, mm-hmm. y- all of your college football, play- both of your college football playoff semifinals were um, foregone conclusions by the second half. Uh, the final was as well. So really not a ton of drama in that uh, realm either. I think it's perfectly identified or perfectly illustrated by Alabama and the first team All-American list. They had six first team All-Americans this year, five of them on the offense. Mac mm-hmm. Jones, first-team All-American. Najee Harris, first-team All-American. Devontae Smith, first-team All-American. Landon Dickerson, center, first-team All-American. The left tackle, his name escapes me, first-team All-American. Five of your 11 starters on the offensive side of first the ball team were the best at that position in the country. How do you not win? How do you not win? Exactly. That's it's, why there wasn't much drama. It's the absolute reality of the game right now. I don't think it's a problem. I don't think there's a way to fix it. I think you sit back, you applaud it, you respect it. And like many things that we're seeing in our era now, Matt, you be thankful that you can say, I watched Nick Saban coach this Alabama team. It's like saying, um, it's like saying you watched Bear Bryant. It's like saying um, you, you watched the Bulls dynasty. It's like saying you watched any one of these things. We get to sit here and say we watched Tiger Woods. We get to sit here and say that we watched Tom Brady. We get to sit here and say... Um, it's kind of cool thinking about it now. Like If you look back, there's, this kind of our generation, we've seen in their, in their primes and our prime growing up sports years, we've seen the greatest college football coach of all time. We've seen the greatest quarterback of all time. Mm-hmm. We've seen the greatest NFL coach of all time. Um, yeah. We've probably seen... We've seen one of the two best basketball players of all time. We're not going to get an MJ versus LeBron. Maybe seen the greatest hockey player of all time. After like, We've seen a whole lot mm-hmm. of greatest of all times. We've seen Tiger Woods, obviously, in, in this I era. Mean, 
It's, it's been a pretty awesome time for that. For those who, uh, my brain even just goes to you know Serena and those who enjoy tennis at yep. that level. Uh, we can you soccer, can say you might have the two best soccer players there. I don't know soccer if it's not Messi and Ronaldo. Who, I don't know who it is. is again, and I think we've touched upon it here that the human form, the human biology, continues to push forward, and we continue to play these games that were invented for people that were completely different biologically. And as anatomy mm-hmm. moves forward, records will continue to fall. Um, I, I know that doesn't necessarily apply to the coaching side of things. So again, applaud Nick Saban for what he's been able to do. But um, it is greatness, and I will never be one to say we need to legislate greatness out of games. No way. No, no way. and again, that's, that's, I'm not saying that you know Nick Saban and Alabama are bad for the sport. If I, if I ever said that, that's kind of not what I meant. It's more like – No, no, I no. Just, I, I didn't, I didn't I need, take that from your comments yeah, at all. I, I just want to see the, the next five to seven yeah. to ten challengers be more relevant than they are. Because, because I also this, think it, it makes like – it makes that Georgia-Auburn – Georgia's not even an example, but like whatever random Penn State-Michigan State game that you know, maybe both teams are having good years throughout the regular season – kind of irrelevant like in the grand scheme of things yeah it's a cool win but it's kind of irrelevant it was not monday it might not be next year it might not be in the next three years but someone is going to catch alabama maybe not as a program but on any given saturday uh, to be a bonehead meathead here uh, Mm -hmm. on maybe on a big monday uh, at the end of a season someone will eventually catch alabama and that moment will be just as celebrated as these and i think that you know that's why we play these games and that's why they'll continue to play these games and to your point has twice now the more teams uh the more teams that are given that opportunity the more likely it is to happen. That 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 um that range of outcomes it, it grows. The more mm-hmm. games we get to see, the more challengers we see walk to Big Bad Alabama. Yeah, uh, Matt. It. Let's uh, let's keep this uh, train moving here. Uh, plenty to get to. Uh, let's jump into our locks of the week. Um, <sighs> I think I'll let you lead us off here. I don't know. I wish I've been keeping track of it. I think no, I'm. Like, I'm- I think you're like so, one in, but I think you're like over your last six, over your last six. I think you're one in five. I like lost a bunch in a row, and then I won two in a row, and then I lost. You got a two bunch in there, in okay? Again. Yeah. Nonetheless, uh, I'm gonna. F- you sit at seven and eleven. I'm nine, eight and one. As we said, it is check, not checkmate. You need to win out. I need to lose out for this thing to go your way. I'm gonna fade myself here. I've been taking favorites this whole time. I'm gonna go with the biggest underdog on the or second biggest underdog on the board. Sorry, I would never bet against the Chiefs in the playoffs. Take the Rams laying six and a half at the Packers. I think Jared Goff's gonna play. He played most of the game against Seattle. I think that offense can at least do some good things, hang on to the ball for a while. And I like the way the Rams defense played. Aaron Donald's gonna be healthy. I think that'll be a, a kind of a low scoring slugfest, and I'm I'm gonna take the Rams. I'm not gonna lie. You go fade if you go into fade mat mode. I get a little worried because that's exactly where you need to be right now. So like, yeah, you do all your homework, you make your pick, and then go exactly the opposite of that. Yep. I, re- I respect the approach right now. Uh, Thank as you. you I try appreciate to figure it. things out. Uh, I'm taking that. Tampa. I'm taking Tampa catching three again. Kind of one of those age old adages of tough to beat a team three times, and it almost doesn't feel like the Saints beat the beat the um excuse me the buccaneers twice earlier this season i'm sure if i go back and look at it um well, the one was like week one why they did yeah it was week one one was um, week one and the bucks were not really i mean they were still fighting. and then the middle of the season the lost the bucks Sunday were football beat down the bucks were in limbo didn't really know who they were i don't know I, I think this tampa bay buccaneers team is scary i think tom brady has made it clear to everyone in that locker room that 
um, the, the standard is the standard, and we need to go. We need to go show you boys a Super Bowl Sunday. And I know what it takes to get there. Um, I was very impressed, even even though it was a close game against uh, the Washington football team. There, uh, Taylor. It Kennedy, was close, he, but did you really ever think the Bucks? It was yeah. one of those games. Like, yeah, the, the score is close, but I never once thought the Bucks were in danger of losing that. No, there's things for there's things for Tampa Bay to clean up, um, but you know. I don't know. I don't know if you can assume it, but at this point it feels like you can, that you're going to get two plus touchdown passes, no turnovers out of Tom Brady. And they're going to at least be in this game. If you're giving me don't, Tom no, Brady, I think it's you're giving me Tom Antonio Brady, Brown. Go ahead. Finish, finish. You're finish. giving me Tom Brady in the playoffs, getting three points. I don't care if it's on the road at home yep. on the moon. I'm taking it. Uh, he, I like the bucks getting three. He, that receiving core, I was going to say Antonio Brown now, I think, has like five touchdowns in his last four games, too. So, like, that, their their weapons are becoming now as dangerous as ever. Yeah. Um, and like you said, if Tom Brady's a dog in the playoffs, I, I will never pass up that chance to, to take it. I'll take I'll a say, player on also, it. If I lose that bet, I lose that bet. Uh, short list of scariest players in the game right now, a scorned Levante David, because once again, he doesn't get an all-pro nod where he absolutely should have. And he is such a special talent at the second level there on that defense. Mm -hmm. He's been flying around. And a a large part of this pick for me is, yeah, the Saints beat the Bears. But, like, I wasn't that impressed by them. Um, No, like, honestly, I think there were a lot of things. I don't think think Michael Thomas is – I don't think Michael Thomas is his full form. Uh, Tell me that he's 100% healthy, fine, but something's missing there. Um, Alvin Kamara is Alvin Kamara, but Drew Brees can't drive the ball down the field. The defense is what it is. I like uh, I like the Bucks here. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think the Bucks offense is going to do what they do, and I think the Bears defensively at least showed like if you don't let Drew Brees dink and dunk you, you're probably going to beat him. You're going to have a yeah. pretty good chance. Like a lot of those big third down conversions weren't because Drew Brees pushed the ball down the field, and made a throw. It's because he dinked one off of the side, and the Bears missed two tackles. Like the blueprint is very much there to beat them, and I. I trust Tom Brady in the playoffs. Matt, if uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl this season, obviously it's you know it's Tom Brady's uh, masterpiece moving away from Bill Belichick and getting the job done. But if he does it, I need you to do the TB12 method for a full month. A month? I don't a, think I can do that. A month of avocado Why? ice cream I d- and I like dried avocado, oats. But I'm not going to eat the ice cream. No, I don't want that in ice cream. No. Come on. Come on. Why? What? For I didn't content purposes. This is how we make our move into a multi-platform show. Uh, we'll talk about it. <laughs> Maybe like a week. Um, not gonna lie, uh, I am. You scared. pay. You pay for this. You pay for the stuff. I'll, I'll send. Uh, I don't know about paying for this. I was gonna say I'll send you, you the book. Fi- you I'm, finance the TB12 diet. I'm, I'm looking at the book on my coffee table right now. I haven't cracked the spine, but uh, got it as a gift last Christmas from Shelby's sister. Bought me the Tom Brady book. It's it's hilarious because it's the. The cover, the jacket of the book is just a macro picture of his face. Like his whole face doesn't even fit on the book. And it's a big book. Um, but if you take the jacket off, it's a really nice looking red book that uh, is a lovely little accent to our living room here. You don't, you don't want Tom Brady's face just as an accent to your living room? Uh, it just, it's a little, it's a little jarring, a little Sorry. jarring to put the candles on top of in the remotes. And so, uh, uh, okay. the, the, the okay. nice, it's got a nice, it's not like, it's not Ohio State red. It's like an orangish red. Re- really nice looking piece for the living room. Like that. I'm yeah. proud of you. Uh, jumping over some buy or sell here, Matt. Yeah, let's do it. Big news uh, on the south side. Jerry Reinsdorf opens up the checkbook, peels off Liam Hendricks, 
$54 million record deal for a reliever, closer type, non-starter, biggest deal in the history of baseball. Liam Hendricks on the south side for at least three years, I believe, uh, option for the fourth. Um, Matt, yeah, buyers, it's, weird. it's a weird option for the fourth year. Buyers sell this deal uh, for Liam Hendricks, who last year was, if not the, one of the top closers in all of baseball. I mean, you have to buy it. It's a lot of money, but they but it's went not out. My money. It, it's not. Well, yeah, it's not my money. Um, but I mean, this is exactly what to, you know. Sox fans wanted the Sox to go do. They set the market for. They went out and got the best player at you know this at a position and paid him whatever it took to got it. And I know technically it's only a three year deal, but like the fourth year is for, it's. They either pay him fifteen million to play for them, or they pay him fifteen million in a buyout. Yeah. So either way, Liam Hendricks is getting that fifteen million dollars. Um, but not only from like a good they went out and paid a guy standpoint, but we've talked about it. Like the next three four years, there's not a whole lot of uh, big time financial commitments on the payroll. This is your time to go go get those types of guys, and then make sure, you know, in four or five years, a lot of these guys are coming back off the books. So you kind of have more time to reassess and, and add and, you know, re-sign guys you already have. So I love the move. Uh, it's it, it's I, like Alex Colome. He was a, a very serviceable, solid closer, but this is much more of the dominant guy that you hope for. Um, much less of a roller coaster ride. They went out and they got the best guy in the market. And more importantly, this allows them to kind of keep their bullpen absolutely in line of where it was. There's not going to be a promotion of Aaron Bummer to closer and then putting Cody Hoyer in a different spot and then Garrett Crochet. It's, it allows everybody in that bullpen to stay in their spot and not have to adjust to a new role, which I think is, in terms of bullpen success, incredibly valuable. Yeah, I mean, it costs it costs fifty four million or whatever the first three years are. Thirty six. It costs plus what it the, costs. It costs what it costs. Again, not my money, and it answers a question. We we move we move into this season with one of our questions about this White Sox team team answered, and it also answers the question if they're going for it right now. This is a this is a going for it deal. This is yes. a, this is a this is a setting the standard of a World Series run. And anything short of that is falling short of what management expects, what ownership expects here. They've gone out, they've built the young core, they've brought in some arms, they've now brought in a closer, which is one of those last pieces that you bring in when you're about to make your run, and the window is there. It's time to go, uh, fire up the go-go, and um, let's go win 100 games. Still want to add one more piece, and I would selfishly, I'd like it to be an expensive piece in Trevor Bauer, Um, but I, I... as standing, this team is the best team in the AL, but that shouldn't stop you because at I mean, granted, the Padres probably aren't the best team in the NL, but they could have stopped adding and been in a spot where, all right, we're still really good. We can beat the Dodgers this year, and then they go trade for you, Darvish. Like that, yeah. that's that's the you kind of have to follow this up now with one more. Um, I think that that would be uh, the whole kit and caboodle, uh, as they used to say what back in I think the nineteenth. I have I no idea. Means. I don't know what a kit is. Um, a kit, like, like yeah. it's a kit, like K I T, like a fishing kit. Like yeah, like, like any, a, anything can be a kit. You can have a kit for anything. A kit and a caboodle. Okay. Um, yeah. our, our guy, one of our uh, producers, baseball producers, uh, Danny Vietti. Uh, he produces our baseball podcast. It's a great name. He's on the podcast as well. Like three years, two years ago, he tweeted out um, Padres White Sox 2021 World Series. See you there. He's a big Padres guy. Um, mm-hmm. And he retweeted it last night. He's like, it's happening. Not just White Sox fans are hyped on this team on the south side right now. 
All right, I'm going to ask you uh, buy or sell because you're you're out on the East Coast, but every year when this, na- especially when this national championship, I'm so in around, on the East Coast, but yes, I, I'm, I'm I want to be like. I want to. I, I, I'm like, wow, that looks awful. Buy or sell the East Coast time zone for sports, but because for me, or no, I'm sorry, it's buy, buy or sell. It's the worst time zone to watch sports. Excuse me, because I got to be honest with you, eight fifteen kickoff for a game that you know is going to go about four hours seems exhausting. Yeah, but like you, you, you move your mental. You, I had all morning to just relax, and you know, I didn't go into work yesterday until four o'clock. We do our pregame show from six. To well, not eight. necessarily for you, the guy that has you. you you're working late, but then oh, you but don't just have as to. A, as a sports you know, as a fan, casual, not just for you. Yeah, it's like, tough. Your job job different. But like the casual sports fan who's up at seven, you know, you're up till two, you know, one in the morning, midnight. I, I do watching think, these games. I do think though that adds a little bit to the allure of like. East Coast tough. We're out here. It's snowing. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna watch the games late. We're gonna stay up late. We're gonna wake up early. We're gonna get our job done. I don't know. It's it's all that it's all that they know out here. I think that it does speak to the fact that like Central Time Zone is such a sweet spot for sports because out on the West Coast it was weird. Like being out on the West Coast watching yeah. football at ten in the morning, ten thirty in the morning, like. It was odd. I did enjoy um, when Sunday night football or Monday night football was over and you could still like watch a movie before you went to bed because it was still mm-hmm. only, I don't know, 10 o'clock or whatever t- time the games were ending. Um, yeah, it's it's tough out here just as a fan, but um, I'm, I'm a bit of a night owl myself these days because the work schedule usually keeps yeah. me at work until 1, one fifteen. so I'm going to bed 2 o'clock. Call of Duty keeps night. you up late. Yeah. No, see, that's that's one thing. I don't <laughs> I don't play Call of Duty on days that I'm at work. Like I'll, Oh, I was talking about just in general. Well, that's that's the point, and my, my point is on days that I'm off, my body's still thinking, hey, we need to be up till 1 yeah, o'clock. We need to be two. up till one fifteen. Um so I think that's just kind of the way I'm wired right now. So it doesn't bother me. But for your general sports fan, um, I'm sure some people would say they would have loved that game to be over an hour earlier. Um, and I think that's just as much a time zone thing as a uh, as a college football stopping the clock on every single play type thing. Um, thoughts and prayers to your underbetters, uh, myself in, involved, myself included. Oh, I took the under. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just like a principal play. 76, you know, 75 points. Come on. Going into it, I briefly it thought of like, the first yeah, quarter I, too. honestly, and I was in full, I was because I'm on my locks, uh, full fade mode. Mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking like, I liked Alabama and the over I ended up not taking the over just Alabama. I was like, you know what? Why don't I just think about like a, a little like Ohio state money line slash under parlay? I had a tough, didn't do it very happily. I, I lost both of my plays. I had a, I obviously lost that underplay. I had yeah. Alabama lay in a half. Uh, at the end of the first quarter. And if you remember at the end of the first quarter, um, Alabama, it's tied 7-7. Alabama's at the three-yard line. They hand it off to Najee yep. Harris. He doesn't get in, and you're like, oh, man. And they, that's the so end they, of that. They, and then they the run another them, play. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the play, they, like, the play ended with 19 seconds. They, they tried to, off they four, tried to quick snap it. That. They tried to quick snap the that. score, and Najee gets stuffed in the back. Like, I thought I was dead, and then I wasn't dead for a second, and then I was dead again. It was it was a yeah. tough beat. It was a tough beat. That's, but uh, it's all, just money. Literally 20 seconds. It's just money, and we live to bet another day. Matt, you got another buy or sell here? Because I do not. Uh, yeah, I've been. I was over the weekend with the, the some of the the people. I won't mention who, but could probably guess we're we're hanging out in my apartment for a little while. I was getting um, hassled to ask you some pop culture type questions because okay. they like those types of answers. Very good. Um, uh, so I guess I could, there, there's one for sure. Um, buy or sell the return of Sex in the City. I know that's a big time show. Mm. That was big news. Mm. Um, my my Ooh. girlfriend's a big fan of it. I'm sure she's You're very such excited. a Miranda. So really, Matt. this is ju- I don't know what that means. You're a Samantha. 
media. Which one is she? I have no idea. Uh, Miranda's the redhead, I think. Samantha's the brunette that's got the confidence issues. Uh, What was is Carrie the main character? I think sounds Uh, right. Sarah Jessica Parker's so. So with all this said, um, I'm not buying. Uh, Good might might be a surprise. I'm selling. I love watching trash uh, television with my girlfriend. Mm. I love I love all the drama. Feed me the Kardashians through a fire hose. Give me okay. H- give me HGTV. I want to know what Chip and Joanna are doing with Shiplap today. I want to know what is Shiplap. Shiplap. It's just like I old, hear that word old wood, old wood that you hang in your home. I think is the long and short of it. Um, oh, I enjoy. I enjoy sitting next to my girlfriend, curling up under a blanket and watching trash television that she enjoys because she enjoys it, and that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. I will leave the room if she turns Sex in the City on. It is, uh, it's. I don't know if it's a mixture of like the characters are so annoying and it's dated because it was what I think it started filming like mid nineties, if I'm not mistaken. Like sure. so, so much of it is dated. So, so many of the storylines don't hold up. Um, they're just like self-involved. It's it's just miss me with all of it. You couldn't pay me to sit and watch the reboot. Okay, and then you brought up the Kardashians, so then I want a bonus buy or sell. Uh, Kim and Kanye, are they getting divorced? Uh, they are. Uh, that's are the s- last reports are. I'm not going to buy someone's divorce. That, well, I was that asking, seems, like, are they doing a little it? Bit. Is um, it actually I, happening or is that just a rumor? I don't, I don't, know like she's, I don't think she's I'm filed like, oh, yet, but, that's, the, but that's, the, uh, that's, I guess, what the news is, that they're, that they're getting, that they're parting ways. <laughs> Um, buy or sell, we get a new season of the Kardashians because of this. Uh, I believe we're the Kardashians have ended their agreement with E, but I think, I think there's something in the works with Hulu right now. Uh, oh. Hulu, Hulu has live sports and the Kardashians, so uh, okay. I think there's a, a cross section. Sure. There's a cross section to be had uh, there. Yeah, but we'll um, I am, you know, the the low hanging fruit here is maybe we'll get some good Kanye music on the back end of this. Oh, there you and, go. and maybe we will. Maybe we will. Um, Revenge album. Thinking of everybody involved, keeping everybody in our prayers. You know. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, you never. You, you hate to see it. That's that's a classic. You hate to see it. Uh, it's all yeah. I got for the people this week. Now you got. Yeah, else? I got nothing. No, I got nothing. Uh, Blackhawks. Blackhawks hockey coming our yeah, way. Yeah, Jeremy Colleton just signed a two-year extension, so that's How cool. It? How about it? Yeah. Yep. Can. Yep. I don't want to say anything about it. And that's Matt's Hockey Minute. Uh, That's my my hockey 10 seconds. That's all. (laughs) Thank you, Moose and Runes listeners, for tuning in to this episode 189 of the Moose and Runes podcast. And you know what? Let's take a second, Matt. Give me a little applause here. Give me a little applause. That's us applauding, applauding the listeners, the viewers, for putting up with the Bears this season. You are oh, strong. applauding us. You are kind. You are, uh, you are everything that Chicago uh, needs to be. Uh, you stand up in the face of tyranny in this Bears franchise, and year uh-huh. after year, you come back for more. I just did this podcast wearing Bears Zubas from 1994, so... That's uh, just commitment. The one that's, you know, everybody in Chicago has... And they fit Bears. because they were my dad's. Yeah. They were not mine in 1994. So these are uh, th- these are original issue Bears Zubas. And you know what? This time next year, I'll be sitting here wearing Bears Zubas, talking about an 8-8 eight and eight football team, and that's why we love you, the Boost and Roots listeners. Yeah, I was gonna say just deep breath. Don't get too out of don't get too angry. I'm excited. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Let's go eight and eight again. I hey. am Michael Scott Giff. I am so ready to be moving again.
Chicago, fire somebody. That's it for this episode of the Moose and Runes podcast, episode 189 for Matt. I'm Joe. We appreciate you guys as always. Get at us on Twitter. Send us those mailbag questions. We love you, and we hope to see you here next week on the Moose and Runes podcast. See you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>